Hi, and welcome to the Saturday, November 23rd Senior Day edition of the Land Grant Holy Land Tailgate Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tamanini. Every Ohio State football game day this season, I will be kicking off your morning with all of the details that you need to be prepared for that day's contest, whether you are watching the game at the shoe, road tripping to an away game, or enjoying it from the comforts of your own home. However, I will not be doing it all on my own, as every week I will be joined by 610 WTVN sports reporter, the legendary Lori Schmidt, for her unique insights into the game with a peek under the hat. Today at noon, the second-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes will take to the field at Ohio Stadium for the final time of the 2019 season as they host the number 8 Penn State Nittany Lions with a berth in the Big Ten Championship game on the line. The game will kick off at 12 p.m. Eastern Time and will air on Fox as the big noon Saturday game of the week. The contest is so big that not one, not two, but three different college football TV pregame shows will be on hand to cover the contest. ESPN's College Game Day will begin at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. They will be broadcasting from the south side of St. John Arena. Then at 10 a.m., both the Big Ten Network's BTN Tailgate and Fox's Big Noon Kickoff will begin their broadcasts. The BTN show will emanate from outside of our pack, while the Fox program will come from outside the southeast side of the stadium for the first hour right underneath the victory bell, and then we'll move inside for the final hour before kickoff. Once the game begins, Gus Johnson will be on the call with Joel Klatt providing color commentary and Jenny Taft reporting from the sidelines. As always, the game can be heard on both 97.1 FM and 1460 AM, where the voice of the Buckeyes, Paul Keels, will be on the call, along with Ohio State legend Jim Lachey supplying color commentary and Matt Andrews on the sideline reporting. The temperature will be in the low 40s and feel like it's in the upper 30s throughout the duration of the game, but the chances of rain will increase as the game progresses. As of recording time, there is about a 20% chance of rain at the noon kickoff, but that goes up to in the mid-60s by 1 p.m. and into the mid-90s after 2 p.m. There shouldn't be much in the way of wind, ranging from just 5 to 7 miles per hour. Overnight, the front worked its way up through the southeast from the Gulf of Mexico, but as of now, it appears that the heavier cells should stay south of Columbus, so we're not looking at a repeat of the deluge that Ohio State had against Wisconsin. But make sure to check your weather source of choice before heading out to the game today. The betting line for the game has Ohio State minus 19.5 points at Bovada as of recording time, but the Buckeyes opened up as an 18-point favorite at the book, so it's moved in the Buckeyes' direction since. Other fine gambling establishments have the line at about 18.5. The over-under for the contest is 58.5 points with Bovada, but you can get it anywhere from 57 to 59 elsewhere. Last week against Rutgers, the Buckeyes failed to cover the spread for just the second time this season, while Penn State has covered in just half of their 10 games in 2019 and hasn't done so since their 28-7 win over Michigan State on October 26th. We will have much more on Penn State's record and season shortly. But first, on Friday, the Ohio State Athletic Department released the Buckeyes' depth chart and availability report, and after a number of key Buckeyes sat out last week against Rutgers, Ohio State has most of its two deep ready to go this week. First and foremost, the best player in college football, Chase Young, is back after serving a two-game suspension from the NCAA for being a good boyfriend. Also back will be his fellow defensive end, Jonathan Cooper, who has been in and out throughout the season. He is currently listed as the co-starter opposite Chase with true freshman Zach Harrison. 
Last week, wide receiver Austin Mack and backup middle linebacker Baron Browning were held out of action against the Scarlet Knights, but they will both return this weekend, but neither is currently listed as a sole starter. Both Browning and Mack are listed as co-starters, Mack at the Z wide receiver position alongside Chris Olave, and Browning at middle linebacker along with Tuff Borland. Reserve safety Josh Proctor and third string running back Marcus Crowley are the two significant additions to the unavailable list this week. The game time decisions against Penn State will include backup offensive linemen Joshua Alabi and Matthew Jones and reserve defensive tackle Haskell Garrett. The other players that will miss this week's contest against the Knits are wide receiver Cameron Babb, offensive guard Gavin Cup, defensive tackle Noah Donald, wide receiver Elijah Gardner, safety Ronnie Hickman, offensive lineman Brent Novick, H-back CJ Saunders, and defensive tackle Teron Vincent. As a reminder, the Horseshoe's Wi-Fi password for non-students, faculty, and staff is OSU Fan Wi-Fi. That is lowercase OSU, capital F, lowercase A-N, capital W, lowercase I-F-I. As always, Ohio Stadium gates will open two hours before kickoff, so at 10 a.m. today. The doors to St. John Arena will open four hours prior to kick if you would like to make your way inside to get seats for the Skull Session. Again, those doors will open at 8 a.m. and the Skull Session will get underway at 9.40 with special guests the Philo and Granville High School Marching Bands. The best day in band of the land's ramp entrance will begin at 11.40, followed by a traditional single script Ohio from the Ohio State University Marching Band, who will then do a halftime show entitled Classical Tunes. That's tunes, T-O-O-N-S. I'm looking forward to some of that Bugs Bunny opera action going on there. Anyway, the Penn State Nittany Lions entered today's game at 9-1 on the season, with their sole loss coming at the hands of Minnesota two weeks ago. They are one game behind the Buckeyes in the race for the Big Ten East crown with just two weeks to go. And since the Nits play Rutgers next week, which is as close to a guaranteed W as you can get, the winner of today's game is pretty much guaranteed to represent the division in Indianapolis for the Big Ten title game, no matter what happens for Ohio State against their rival next week. Penn State comes into the contest averaging 36.8 points per game, good for 15th nationally, and giving up just 13.5 points per contest, the 7th best in the country. Of course, for context, Ohio State leads the country in both of those categories. We will get much more into the numbers in the matchup shortly, but before we do, we will take a short break and then we will be joined by 610 WTVN's legendary sports reporter, Lori Schmidt. We are joined now by 610 WTVN's Lori Schmidt. Lori, happy uh, holidays, uh, happy Thanksgiving, since we are, uh, the next time we talk will technically be after Thanksgiving. I don't know when we're actually going to record for the Michigan game, but this could be the last time we talk before the holiday, so uh, happy Thanksgiving. I'm very thankful to have been on this podcast this year, and I have a friend like you, Matt. Oh, that's very sweet. I'm thankful that you are willing to sacrifice your precious time uh, to talk to me for 25, 30 minutes every week. It has been much appreciated uh, by me and by everybody who's listened. So uh, we'll hopefully have a number of more games to do so the rest of this year. But Penn State has had a tremendous uh, explosion in the first quarter of games so far this season, very much mirroring what Ohio State has done in the second quarter. Tell me a little bit about how Penn State has been so dominant in the first 15 minutes of games so far this season. Yeah, they are outscoring opponents 107 to 31 in that first stanza. It's pretty incredible, especially when you look at how they've done it. Up until week seven, they hadn't given up one point in the first quarter of games. And then Iowa scored a field goal. 
Uh, now, they have given up four first quarter touchdowns, and those have all been in the last two weeks. So maybe teams Oops. are figuring something out. But yes, Penn State has had a fairly, fairly dominant performance against opponents in the first quarter of games this year. One of the things that a lot of the prognostications for this game uh, has focused on has been uh, the one major playmaker for the Penn State Nittany Lions is KJ Hamler. And we do not yet know, I don't believe, as of last I've checked, whether or not he is going to play in this game. He is in concussion protocol. Do you have an update at all as to what the prognosis is for Hamler's availability on Saturday? Uh, Penn State's being a little cagey about it, as you know, you would expect them to be. Sure. Um, so nothing official from them. But we do know that Penn State reporters saw K.J. Hamler in the tunnel after the last game, jumping around and celebrating with teammates. So the impression, at least among the Penn State beat media, is that Hamler will be ready for this game. All right. Um, so, OK, so if we're anticipating K.J. Hamler to play in this game, how big mm-hmm. of an impact could he have? Uh, on on the outcome, as he really is the 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 number one target uh, for Penn State's offense. Yeah, he is he is definitely their top wide receiver. And when it comes to catching passes, wide receivers aren't the the ones necessarily that do most of the damage for Penn State outside of KJ Hamler. But Hamler disproportionately has a hand in the success of the Penn State passing game. He has had 13 straight games, not where he's caught a pass but where he's caught a pass of 20 yards or more. And that includes last week's game where he had a 41-yard reception, despite the fact that he left early because he went into concussion protocol. So he is a guy who is a deep threat, not every once in a while, but consistently for the Nittany Lions. It's interesting because the, the Penn State offense has not, been nearly as dominant as its defense has been this year. But Sean Clifford, who's the quarterback, who is an Ohio native, um, he's shown that obviously he can throw the deep ball as as Hamler has shown, but he's also pretty effective on the ground as well. Yeah, he's their second leading rusher and he has five rushing touchdowns this season. And he's not a guy who's like scrambling for those yards, Matt. He's a guy who's getting some of those yards on designed quarterback runs. So he is a guy that Ohio State goes into this game anticipating that they will try to get him the ball and get him some yards on the ground. Yeah, it's a little bit of a different offense than we've seen in recent years yeah. with with Tra- Chase McSorley or Trace McSorley and uh, his his overall grittiness. Um, but but they what's interesting is is that Clifford has not exactly been putting up anywhere near the type of numbers that Justin Fields has, at least considering that Justin Fields doesn't play the second half. But he's probably been one of the most consistent quarterbacks in the Big Ten this season, which is kind of surprising. Yeah, he's 23rd ranked nationally in passer rating, Sean Clifford is. So he's a guy who is is pretty good at being consistent, as you mentioned, and he's 14th in yards per attempt. And again, we've already hit on this. K.J. Hamler is a big part of the reason for that. So they do have a a fairly efficient passing game, and and it's it's been a little more passing-oriented than run-oriented, which we're not used to seeing at Penn State. Um, and some of that has been Noah Kane's been a little beat up. Uh, he's been especially impressive as a freshman. Um, but it's the opposite on defense where their rushing performance against the rush is stronger than their uh, performance against the pass. So it's kind of an inverse 
uh, maybe it's what they're seeing in practice is helping them. Yeah. And uh, who knows? Maybe this is all in James Franklin's plans to make them elite. Um, but one of <laughs> um, one of the things that has been interesting about Penn State is they have had success throwing the ball to not just wide receivers, but to running backs and tight ends as well. And as we've seen over the years, not as much this year, although Florida Atlantic uh, had a tight end that that performed pretty well against the Buckeyes. Covering tight ends in the passing game has been a bit of a bugaboo for the Buckeyes in recent seasons. Yeah, of Penn State's top five receivers in terms of yards, two are tight ends. One's a running back. So three of the top five receivers in terms of yards aren't wide receivers. In terms of catches, two are running backs. One's a tight end. And in terms of receiving touchdowns, six different Penn State players have caught a touchdown catch this year. Three of them are tight ends. One's a running back. So it's definitely an offense that will pass to people who are coming from in the backfield. That uh, they they are definitely using guys like Pat Fryermuth, who is uh, who you're referencing there when you talk about Penn mm-hmm. State's stellar play at that tight end. He's caught a pass in 22 straight games and is one of the best tight ends in the country right now. Yeah, and speaking of things that are ranking really highly in terms of uh, the national perspective, Penn State is currently in the middle of just a hellacious stretch in terms of their schedule. Um, This will be the fifth AP Top 25 team that Penn State has faced in the past month and a half, um, which has kind of shown itself pretty recently in the fact that they lost to Minnesota and really struggled struggled against Indiana. It might be the fact that all of that high-level competition has really started to wear them down as the season's progressed into the last month. And that's been five of their last six that have yeah. been, you talk about it being the last month, that's five of their last six where they have faced a ranked team. So that's that's been Penn State's as their most difficult stretch of scheduling since the introduction of the AP poll in 1936. So it's not only <laughs> tough, it's, it's historically tough. Yeah. Uh, and yes, that's, that's a grind that uh, Penn State has been through. Meanwhile, Ohio State is playing games where, they're like, do we really want to play our starters in the second half? Let's think about this. <laughs> um, I, I, thought, I thought Ryan Day told an interesting anecdote this week when he discussed how he told J.K. Dobbins that he wasn't going to, to play in the second half against Rutgers. He said he waited until the last minute to tell him because he knew he would be upset. And then he explained <laughs> it as, J.K., because I love you, you're sitting out. And J.K. was kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> Look, I have been beating the drum for J.K. Dob- uh, for uh, for J.K. Dobbins to be considered a Heisman candidate this year, uh, and I understand why he's not because he, I, 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 our own uh, Colton Denning at Land Grant Holy Land, he sent out a, a stat in an article that came out on Friday that J.K. Dobbins has as many fourth quarter rushes this season as Dwayne Haskins did in 2017 as the backup quarterback to J.T. Barrett. So that shows you just how little. J.K. Dobbins is actually getting the opportunity to run the ball late in games, and that obviously will hurt your uh, productivity. But to me, he is the best running back in the country in terms of consistency, and I, I, I understand why Ryan Day is keeping him out. But from a statistics and a selfish point of view, I think that his national profile should be much higher than it has been this season just because of the fact that, A, no one cares about running backs anymore, and B, he hasn't gotten a chance to really show himself in a full game yet. But that might be changing down the stretch here. Um, but well, you know, here's the irony too, Matt. You know, you just know 
that when it comes to uh, the, the season-ending awards, that Jonathan Taylor is probably going to be named Big Ten just, running back of the year. It's just ridiculous. I mean, it, I mean yeah. between Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley and whoever else, the other guy that nobody remembers from Penn State a few years ago, um, Ohio State has been the place where good running backs go to die in terms of the opposition. They've shut down everybody. So it's, yes, I understand that they are putting up good numbers, but they really are compiling things against the lesser half of the Big Ten schedule where Ohio State's running backs doesn't get to play against them because they're too worried about them getting hurt. It really is unfair. But I mean, I feel bad for JK because um, he really should be getting much more national press. I think he's going to um, be gone after this season anyway, so he'll be able to cry himself with a bunch of money here in a few months. But um, well, JK, JK, we should bring up, uh, what is it? He's about 25 yards shy of breaking into the top three of Ohio state uh, running backs in terms of rushing yards all time. He's going to pass Eddie George. And who? what did he ever do? It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah some it's guy named Eddie. Eddie, I remember going to, uh, ironically, because this uh, this game is senior day for uh, for the Buckeyes. I went to Eddie George's senior tackle event in the horseshoe all the way back, and I guess that would have been, what, 1995? And just the love that everybody had for Eddie George. That was when they still did these things publicly in the horseshoe. There's a great memory and a, and a great legacy for someone like J.K. Dobbins to continue. And then we didn't even talk about the fact that he's had to kind of not share carries because it wasn't like him and Mike Weber in the previous years. But, I mean, Master Teague is putting up a decent amount of yards as well that J.K. Mm -hmm. Dobbins hasn't gotten. So either way, let's get back to this Penn State game, Lori. There's a ton of intersectionality between the rosters uh, with these two teams. Not only did Justin Fields originally commit to Penn State, Micah Parsons, who is probably going to be the best linebacker in the game this weekend, he very well could have been uh, a Buckeye had he not gotten uh, pulled up onto the ESPN College game day set. Um, and, and so it's just a, a kind of an interesting way that these two schools continue to intersect, even though um, they are developing a fairly strong rivalry in the past few seasons. Yeah, he probably should have stayed off the game day set and off Twitter. Micah Parsons, also the player who had once tweeted, and I'm not quoting him verbatim, he had, he alluded to the fact that after watching a game as a recruit, he thought that Dwayne Haskins was better than J.T. Barrett, and that did not go over well with the Ohio State coaching staff at the time. He's not. So even though he, he is still friends... He's not wrong, though. I mean, he wasn't wrong. I mean... No? I don't know. I wasn't watching practice in that time, and Dwayne Haskins himself has alluded to the fact that he wasn't ready. So I I might take Dwayne's word for it, but I, I see what you're saying. As a, as a top-end quarterback, There's Dwayne Haskins' prime was better than yeah. JT Barrett's prime there, as a passer. There was a ceiling with JT. I love JT Barrett. Don't get me wrong. Number 16, yeah. faux life. But there was a ceiling that JT Barrett wasn't ever going to be able to, to to pass, especially in that 2017 season when the rest of the team was really good, that I think that perhaps having the the explosive ability that Dwayne Haskins brought, even if that brought the opportunity for some bigger mistakes, I think that that might have been a better uh, a better choice. But I understand why that wasn't the, the move that was made. JT Barrett it was such, I mean, one of the best leaders in not only Ohio State, but in Big Ten history. So I understand that, but... I don't think the yeah, you might have you might have had a riot among the the team. I don't think anyone would have like. 
I don't think that the team would have been upset being ride or die with JT Barrett. I think if you'd taken him out of the starting lineup for a guy with upside, I think you would have had at least a portion of the team who got really upset by that. And that is why I am a fan and a blogger, not a coach. I can have these opinions. (laughs) The coaches don't actually have to agree with me or do it. But anyway, go ahead. Yes. So Micah Parsons tweeting game day, Justin Fields decommitting, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, Parsons, though, is, we should mention, still has a lot of respect for Ohio State. Spoke very highly of the university this week. Uh, said he's still friends with, you know, they, he met Justin Fields on the recruiting trail, and they're still friends. He says he's friends with J.K. Dobbins and Chase Young. Talks with him kind of frequently. He has a dog named Brutus. So uh, despite the fact that things were not smooth there in the relationship, there's still a, a, a respect level. And uh, Ryan Day spoke very highly of Micah Parsons as a player this week. So um, no animosity, despite the fact that there easily could be on either side of the relationship here. Yeah. And uh, that whole stupid thing with him getting pulled up on the game day set, that was considered a benefit by the NCAA. So Mm -hmm. Ohio State had to stop recruiting him. Can we just stop NCAA? I mean, I know you said in the past you've defended the NCAA more than most, but seriously, come on now. I have defended the NCAA more than most. I will draw your attention to the fact that Mike Parsons wasn't the only athlete uh, that was hauled up on the game day set that day, Uh, but some of those guys ended up Buckeyes, so we shouldn't blame the NCAA for Mike Parsons not being in Scarlet and Gray. No, but... Because Luther Muhammad is here. But it's a dumb rule. ESPN is a sports network. These individuals are major high school sports recruits, them being involved on the set, getting brought up has nothing to do with their recruiting. And I understand it all has to do with the fact that, you know, I, I think I correct me if I'm wrong. It had to do with the fact that Kirk Herbstreet and maybe somebody else on the set um, had connections to a high set, but it's just, it's just dumb. Like just, just dumb. Anyway, Lori, let's move on to something that is tangentially related to the NCAA's dumbness. Chase Young okay. is going to be back on the field for Ohio state. Uh, this this uh, this Saturday in the game against Penn State, some some word has been trickling out from the players in the interviews that I'm sure you've been a part of that he might be somewhat motivated in this game. What have you heard from uh, either coaches or players about how Chase is approaching this game, and what do you expect from him in terms of fire and focus in his presumably final game in the horseshoe? Important to remember that he has been practicing the past couple weeks. Now, he wasn't getting the bulk mm-hmm. of the snaps during that time, but sure. he has been practicing, so it's not like he's going to come out rusty. Uh, and yes, he, his teammates you almost uniformly describe him as a goofball. Okay? I, I know that might be hard for someone who only sees him on Saturday to imagine, but he's apparently a goofball. Despite that they can see a little extra fire these last couple weeks. They know he wants to be out there. Uh, An extra motivated Chase Young, who is chasing the single season record for Ohio State sacks. He's just one shy. And um, Penn State is 60th in sacks allowed this year. So they have shown some vulnerability there. I think that's, that's a dangerous thing for Penn State to be facing this weekend. 
All right, Larry. Well, this should be uh, an exciting game, uh, both on the field. I know there's going to be a ton of recruits there. It has major national implications. And one thing, if this goes well, if things go according to plan for the Buckeyes after this uh, after this game, either heading into the Michigan game or maybe even coming out of it, or even after the Big Ten Championship game, I, I would like to get into, at some point, talking to you about whether or not this is the best Ohio State team that you have covered. I might, at some point, depending on how things go the next few weeks, I might make an argument at some point that this is the best Ohio State team ever. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to do that yet. I want to see what they do again in these last three games before bowl season. But I, I think in terms of domination, that there might be an argument to be made. But I, I know you've been on the beat now for, uh, for, for a number of years. So I'd be interested, if you think about that, just how good this team is in comparison to some of those others. And I know we've briefly mentioned it in the past, but... Um, if they are able to handle Penn State and, and especially Michigan the following week and into the Big Ten title game, that would be something I'd like to get your perspective on at some point. Well, I, I will just to marshal your argument on that. Uh, I do know that this is the longest a team has gone into the season winning every game by as much as Ohio State has since yep. 71 Nebraska, uh, who went 13-0 and and won the national championship. So uh, you have that data point in your favor already going into this one. Yep. Um, I, I'm I'm very excited for this week's game because, as I've always said, I, I think that the Ryan Day mindset of keeping things even does really well to avoid an upset against Purdue. Um, I will be really eager to see how it plays out in big games because as much as you want your guys to be able to to keep it level, you also want them to be able to kick it up a notch in a game like this. So this game and, and the next two after that, presuming that things – fall the way that uh, Ohio State hopes they should um, will will be as much of a measure of what Ryan Day's mentality means for a team as anything. Yeah, it, it, with that, that scoring margin, um, Ohio State leads the country in scoring offense, scoring defense, total defense, and, and they're fourth in total offense, um, which is crazy when you think about the fact, like we talked about earlier, that the starters don't play in the fourth quarter and in often cases the second half as well. Um, that, that domination is, is pretty impressive, especially when you're considering that it's against the conference and the division that is rated second best nationally. Um, so I think that there is an argument. I want to wait until, like you said, they we see what they do against the the higher profile games. But I don't think that that's as crazy as it sounds. And it sounds crazy, but I don't think it's as, it's as out there as as one might think. But we can get to that. I don't think it's it, outlandish. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's outlandish at all. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to that if and when things continue to progress as they have. But um, to put it into perspective, just how special this season is, it's it's a pretty special season, and I, and I think that that's been lost on some folks because it has been so dominating. We haven't had any of those games where you're like, oh, man, what an exciting game. Uh, it was so close. It's down to wire. There's these signature moments. They've all been blowouts. So I, I think that maybe that might be lost on, on some folks because it doesn't have those those memorable things. You don't have yet Braxton Miller doing a spin move to gain a yard you know, against Penn State. You don't have Ted Ginn Jr. kick returns for touchdowns. You don't have Terrell Pryor gliding down the field on like four steps but covering 60 yards. Uh, you don't have those things yet. But the numbers say that Ohio State is really, really good. So it'll be interesting to see how the season wraps up. But, Lori, have a great time at the game. Uh, stay dry. And uh, after this, it come come around 3.30 on Saturday afternoon. It will officially be Michigan week. So things will definitely get interesting from there on out. 
I think I'm being honored at Ohio State on Saturday. Oh, oh really? Why is that? Because it's senior day, and I'm definitely a senior. <laughs> well, the Ohio State basketball team did play the Hatters earlier this week, so I wondered if there yes. was a tribute to you as well. It's it's definitely it's definitely a big week for the Schmidt household <laughs> and Ohio State as well. And anybody you know, who wears hats. Priorities. Yeah. Yes, and anyone who wears a hat. <laughs> Very good. Well, and the defense always talks about getting a hat on a hat. Well, yeah. no, that's the offensive line that says getting a hat on a yeah. hat. So there you go. It's it everything's coming up roses for me. Yeah, I think Chris Spielman used to say that one a lot too. But uh, yes. Anyway, it, enjoy your be, your your being honored at the stadium uh, yeah. on Saturday. <laughs> and it might be a different group of seniors. I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah, citizens? No, that's not. No, that was wrong. <laughs> no, uh, not us. <laughs> no, not yet, at least. Uh, but have a good time at the game, and I uh, look forward to talking to you as we head into rivalry week next uh, next Saturday. Oh, that's something else. I- I'm ready for that. I'm-, I'm ready for this weekend too. It's just a big, big, exciting couple weeks, and I'm glad to be able to share them with you. Don't forget to tune into the best Buckeye coverage on your radio dial on 610 WTVN before and after the game. We will be back with a look inside the numbers and a prediction after this quick break. Ohio State and Penn State first played tackle football against one another in 1912 when PSU won 37-0. They wouldn't meet again until 1956, and the Buckeyes wouldn't get their first W in the series until 1975 following four Penn State wins. However, in total, the Buckeyes are 19-14 against Penn State, including going 14-5 since the year 2000 and 18-8 since the Nittany Lions joined the Big Ten in 1993. As many will remember, the last two games in the series have been decided by a single point, with the Buckeyes coming out on top despite trailing by double digits in both games. The Buckeyes continue to hold down the top spot in the SP Plus rankings from ESPN's Bill Connolly as they have increased their lead over number 2 Alabama in the advanced analytics rankings. OSU was the only team in the country with both their offense, fourth, and defense, first, in the top five, although Bama and Clemson have both units in the top six. The Buckeyes' special teams are number 17, just for reference. Connolly has Penn State as the seventh-ranked team in the country with their offense at 11th and defense at 12th. Despite that, SP Plus predicts a 34-20 victory for Ohio State, giving the Buckeyes an 80% win probability. Football Outsiders F Plus rankings also have the Buckeyes as their top team, with the Nits coming in ninth. The College Football Nerds computer model has OSU winning 35-21, and my favorite new toy to play with, the NCAA Game Simulator has Ohio State winning by an average of 36.1 to 18.2, thanks to 4,897 simulations. In those sims, the game is decided by less than 5 points in only 13.4% of the games, with only 1.9 of them going to overtime. Ohio State won 46.9% of the simulations by more than 20 points, while the Nits only won by 20 in 1.6%. Man, do I love computers. Penn State enters the contest fourth in the Big Ten in total offense, gaining 426.6 yards per game, while having the sixth-ranked defense in the conference, according to total yards, allowing 316.2 per outing. They are especially susceptible against the pass, as they are 12th in the league in passing defense, allowing 240.3 yards through the air per game. Oddly, though, they don't really give up many scoring touchdowns through the air. They are second in the conference, behind only the Buckeyes, giving up just 8 passing TDs on the season, opposed to 8 interceptions. 
They are also fairly balanced on offense, throwing for 253.5 yards per game, good for fourth in the B1G, while rushing for 173.1 yards per contest, good for fifth. Their sophomore quarterback Sean Clifford has thrown for 2,450 yards in his first season as a starter and has 22 touchdowns through the air and just 6 INTs. He is completing 59.6% of his throws and averaging 8.7 yards per attempt. As Lori and I discussed, Penn State's number one weapon is wide receiver KJ Hamler, who has 791 yards through the air this season and eight touchdowns. Like Laurie, I would be surprised if he isn't out there for this one. He also serves as their regular kick returner as well. Penn State's number one rusher is Journey Brown, but he only has 521 yards on the ground this season. He would be third for the Buckeyes. Uh, he also has 130 receiving yards to go along with that. Defensively linebacker Micah Parsons leads the team with 75 tackles, while defensive end Yetter Gross Matos leads the team with 10 TFLs. Before I get into my prediction for the game, I want to run through the game times for some of the day's biggest non-Buckeye contests. At 3.30 on FS1, Texas will visit number 14 Baylor, and on ABC number 13 Michigan will travel to Bloomington to take on a somehow unranked Indiana on ESPN. Also at 3.30, Navy will host number 25 SMU on the CBS Sports Network. Then at 7.30 on ABC, number 6 Oregon will travel to the desert to take on the Fighting Herm Edwardses of Arizona State. And in the Pac-12 after dark game of the week, number 7 Utah will visit Arizona at 10 p.m. on FS1. Of course, there were no SEC games mentioned because they are all on their final cupcake game of the season. Anyway, back to Ohio State, who you heard me say earlier that I think that they could be the best team in program history. I mean, while that feels ridiculous to say as I hear it coming out of my mouth, I really think that it has merit, and I think that they will continue to prove that today. As long as it doesn't rain too hard and that doesn't get out of hand, I think that we will see another side to Justin Fields today as he picks apart a porous Penn State defense, throwing for his second straight 300-yard game and establishing a new career high, along with at least four total touchdowns, maybe three on the air and one on the ground, as he begins an undeniable late-season Heisman Trophy surge. Despite the Nits being statistically goodish against the run, I don't think it will hamper J.K. Dobbins at all, who will put up at least 135 yards and two scores on the ground. I would also expect the offense to employ a few different looks today, allowing some of the playmakers to get open in unusual ways. The same will probably happen for Chase Young on defense, as they look to have him move around the defensive line a bit, including perhaps allowing him to stand up and roam like we've seen him do a little bit throughout this season. I would bet on nothing less than two and a half sacks from him today, and in total, I think I have talked myself into a 45-17 to victory for the Buckeyes. Anyway, that's all we have for today. As always, Land Grant Holy Land will have you covered before, during, and after the game. I will be mashing buttons on Twitter during the contest, so please follow along and share your thoughts at LandGrant33, your social media home for all of Land Grant Holy Land's Ohio State news, analysis, and sarcasm. You can follow our friend Lori Schmidt on Twitter at Lori Schmidt and her station at 610 WTVN News. I am on Twitter at BWWMatt as well. And if you are not already, please subscribe to Land Grant Holy Land's one-of-a-kind podcast network, where we not only bring you unique news, interviews, and analysis, but we've also got perspective on sports and the Buckeyes unlike anywhere else in the OSU podcasting universe. So, with all of that out of the way, there's only one thing left to say. Go Bucks. <laughs>